everyone um so welcome back to sober politics and um i actually did a draft um podcast this morning and didn't decide to publish it because i realized what was going on and it was a sort of like acceptance seeking and i realized that's a really big problem um and i realized that actually gets me into a lot of trouble um because as the child of immigrants i was born here yeah but um the, the, the need to um, find acceptance is very much present and I think a lot of people can relate to that um, and where does that get you um, what does that entail um, so I think it's been a big journey um, ever since I stepped out of my family home you know as a kid like going to nursery going to school all of those things like being the only Bangladeshi girl in my school um, pretty much other than my siblings and um yeah like I think that was a big part of what my dad was trying to do as well is like sort of build something that uh, within the community where we felt we belonged um and I think that's a big part of his um projects um uh as such a um yeah he was really involved in the community um and I think he, he had a purpose behind that and that was really beautiful um unfortunately it didn't it was cut too short you know and we were left with the remainders of that and um as children not as adults um so we didn't know uh what that meant uh we couldn't we were children um when he died so as an adult I guess I can look back and say that um what my parents could have um you know well that's what parents are for to sort of like help you through life um what they couldn't give us um, we had to figure out by ourselves um, so much of the time. Um, so I know that the Bangladeshi community like suffers from this a lot um, because a lot of our parents don't speak English. Like I know a lot of my friends who I know, uh, their parents do speak English and it kind of shocks me when their mum says things in English. And I'm like, wow, your mum's English is so good. And I'm like, yeah, so it's kind of still not really part of my um reality in a, in a big way um and so yeah the acceptance seeking so going back to where I was living um with three white people um I think even though I had my reservations I still had that um aspect of me that was um acceptance seeking seeking acceptance and um, therefore, I allowed myself to be bullied right from the beginning. Um, even when I was living in the old, the previous house, um, I was like, um, even though this person has these this hatred, um, and this um, the ringleader has this hatred and this judgment and this um, prejudice and this assumption that he's better than everyone else. Um, over time, you know, um, he'll see that um, you know we're all equal and. Um, I'll prove myself. I'll prove myself. And that's so dangerous. Like, that's so toxic. That's so awful. Like, coming to that realisation, um, that that's the, the existence that we live as, as, um, visibly immigrant people, um, as a Muslim, as a Muslim community, as, um, non-Europeans, basically, um, non-white, um, that we are very visible in that we're different, um that's that's the truth um so it's um it's it's a really hard thing to talk about actually um but i think 
that that's why I didn't say anything and I I didn't um always stand up for myself like I did object to a lot of things but sometimes uh, you know I've mentioned that's why I'm like doing these podcasts because I'm going through all those things and why they happened and it's because they these people think that they're in a position of power actually but you, you allow them that power when you seek acceptance um because they they end up being the gatekeepers and then they enjoy that a lot and they um, exercise their power of you and they try to do that more and more and more and more and they push as much as they can to exercise their power of you or their perceived power of you or perhaps the power that you've actually granted them because you trusted them and that's 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 actually um, giving someone some power actually when you trust them of course like when I trust my uh, when I go somewhere with my brother and I'm in the car like I trust him to keep me safe um I, I give him power over my safety my physical safety so it's it's something trust is something that's really um important to, to talk about as well who do you trust and who do you not trust and um uh when someone displays that they have intolerance towards you as a human being um then you should just walk away like don't even begin to try to change their model of the world because um that's their model of the world where they think that they're superior and they have their ideas of um exercising behaving in a certain way degrading other people degrading other people's history degrading other people's lived realities and lived experiences are degrading everything their entire existence and that's their model of the world is to so they can feel better about themselves um for some bizarre reason that that actually gives people a kick um and it's not something that i relate to at all um i don't i don't do that i don't think like that um so i think um this sort of process of leaving is leaving behind also um the need for acceptance so I am who I am, I'm constantly learning and I'm on a journey and um, but at the end of the day like I can't change my ethnic identity, um, I can't change my cultural upbringing, I can't change my religious upbringing, I can't change who, um, where I came from at all, um, I can only learn to use that to my benefit and to, to use that as something beautiful and that's what I'm doing but if other people don't expect other people to follow you on that journey um it's not always going to happen like people are going to be left behind actually um you're going to grow you're going to um become a more complete human being you're going to understand yourself better you're going to all of those things and um it doesn't mean that i thought that being the only non-white person in the in the flat the only Muslim girl, the only Bangladeshi girl, like coming from a very, very, very different upbringing to the other people in the flat. Um, I could just be myself and that would be enough um, to stop the attacks. If I could just be brilliant and do all the things that I was planning to do, then um, I could be seen as a human being and treated like a human being and respected as a human being, as, as, as myself, as Rabia. But that's not the case. Like, people don't actually grant you that. Um, they can hold, withhold it, and they do. Um, they maintain their model of the world. Um, like I said, that their upbringing has afforded them. Um, and that's different to you also. It's, 
I don't mean to say that you should only hang out with people who are, have had, had a similar upbringing to you, but uh, my Airbnb host, um, you know, is really um, someone who doesn't have that upbringing. And I think that's why um, I'm so lucky that I ended up here. Um, he's from a background where um, his mum was very, very much working class, um, you know, from a coal mining family. Um, and she sort of honoured that in a sense in through her life, throughout her life, um, in terms of how, who she was friends with and what she stood up for against injustice um, all the time. Um, so it's kind of interesting. Um, and, you know, you feel like I don't need to prove myself in this space because um, this person in front of me, like his mum, has instilled that in him, that everyone is equal. Um, not that I'm more important because I own a house in, in a beautiful part of London. Um, you know, it's a very, 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 it's very much to do like how you're brought up and how you're um, educated, actually. Um, so, and also um, not to be sort of like this, this political aspect is really interesting as well. That these ideas of like political parties and um collectivization like that's when you realize like it's it's really dangerous like um the swp and the notion of communism like of course like i've said in my previous podcast maybe there are some useful aspects to studying communism and the history of communism and all of that jazz um yeah sure like i think um every time i pick up um marx's literature and stuff i'm like yeah okay yeah i i already thought that um I've already thought about it because I lived through it, um, you know, whether it, yeah, on so many levels, but then there's also something missing. So you know that it's not complete and you know it's not for you. Um, so, yeah, it's sort of like interesting that communism is still so popular um, in a way um, or that there's this weird under underhand uh, party that's in existence called the Socialist Workers' Party which most people haven't actually heard of. Like, a lot of people I know, they're like, oh, what's that? And it's like, oh, yeah, well, it's the biggest socialist party in the country and um, read up about it. Because, obviously, there is power there. There's people working and operating in ways um, that you're not aware of. And that has an impact on society, indirectly or directly, like I experienced. Um, So it's a really, really interesting time. I think... um, and also when you join a party, I do think that um, there is an aspect of like there's already a pre-established like way of doing things and um, set up and you have to fit into that. And if you don't, then you're seen as the problem. Um, and I don't really adhere to that. Like if I'm different, then I'm different. And that's that. Like, So it's really, um, I think the governance is becoming very, very uh, and politics are becoming way too involved in our daily lives for my comfort, like, uh, for anyone's comfort, to be honest. Like, um, there's so much deprivation that we are having to be much more politically engaged than I think is necessary. And it's really not fair because it's not the average person's job to actually have to follow all these things. It's people in power who, you know, and it's the, a lot to do with education as well. It's like, wow, me educated in terms of um how to stay engaged or um participatory or become be participants without um feeling like you're fumbling around in the dark basically and that you're you're um if you don't have the education the formal education the degree or whatever or the um then 
you're, you don't actually have a clear picture of, um, of the world. Um, and so that dichotomy, that sort of split is really dangerous. Um, so yeah, it's a really, really interesting thing, like acceptance, like going to university, it was a huge thing about acceptance. It's a huge thing about being accepted into the workplace. It was a huge thing. I was so devastated when I, when I left uni because I was like, right, like, how am I going to get a job? Like all the jobs that I was looking at were, required a degree and I was like okay like all my friends who have graduated they can apply for that but I can't um and you know it feels very unfair because you know you actually have a lot to offer but you're not going to be considered because you don't have a piece of paper um it's really it's a really 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 like um divided we're really um put into category we're categorized and put into boxes like um and streamlined and you know like this is where you belong and this is your lane this is your lane this is your lane this is your profession this is where you you should be as your identity dictates your background dictates you should end up here and I really 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 hate that and I really break out of it like immediately like I'm, as soon as I feel like I'm being put in a box I'm like I'm gonna I'm gonna break that <laughs> um so I think what I wanted to say was that, um, be really careful about, like, where you seek validation from, when there's an environment where people are clearly thinking very differently to the notions of equality, um, and respect, um, don't expect, um, like, over time that you're gonna sort of change, no, you're gonna get attacked, you're gonna get attacked, you're gonna get stripped away, like, you're gonna get, um, ganged up on, um, especially when there's, like, a, group that's homogenous and is established and then there's you don't think that you can enter and change the culture of that group um that's a huge thing because I um you need to set up your own stuff because I went to university I thought yeah I'll be the 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 new person who's like quite rare in this space because of where I come from and how elite this university is and you know we'll be able to learn from each other and I'll be able to contribute something no that space was not set up for you, that's why it's not, um, it doesn't involve people like you, it doesn't have, uh, super precarious, people from a super precarious background in that space, you're not going to be able to fit in, they will shut you out, they will bully you out, and it's the same with these people, like, they have a art collective, which is homogeneously white, they've only, they only work with white people, so I was like, okay, yeah, I can contribute something new to this this space. Um, no. If that space is already set up in a way that's exclusively white, you you're not it's not set up for you. You're not gonna be able to enter and be like, hi, um, can I be an equal? No. They there is a reason why it's homogeneously white. It's a reason why um, you know, the ringleader and his girlfriend have an art collective which only has only exclusively worked with white white artists or members of their own family same with soas the feminist society at my at my university homogeneously white you know i was like oh let me join the feminist society and get to know these people and maybe i can add something new they don't want anything new because otherwise they would have set it up they would have set it up and immediately made it that from its foundations and that's where I know for me when I set up a foundation for something for one of my projects it has to be set up in an inclusive way in an inclusive way from the very beginning 
from the very inception. So I'm also talking about, um, I spoke before about like setting up your own stuff. I'm talking about like creative projects um, and um, yeah, actually doing that yourself. Um, and I did talk about like getting funding. I did talk about like how you approach people in terms of like um, ha- uh, setting the things up. And luckily I have, I know a bunch of people who do want to already like participate in in my women in art project so it's just a matter of like um you know me being settled and actually like just saying can you send me this can you send me that can you send me your artwork can you send me your videos can you send me your um and from the very beginning the intention is for it to be not about me to be honest and so art when it becomes so self-absorbed where the project has to revolve around your own identity and your own body and your own experiences, like, how does that leave space for other people? Um, because that's what a collective is supposed to be about. It's not supposed to be primarily about you. Like, yeah, sure, you might have instigated it. Like, yeah, like I've set up Women in Art, but the first project that is going on my website is not going to be my work. It's going to be for me to give space to another person actually um and their work so it's a very very it's really really questioning these sort of ways that these um, art spaces function and what they're functioning for and what they're perpetuating and just how inclusive are they and just how progressive are they or you know so many is so um fashionable to do art that involves the working class for example or that looks a bit like um you know, down with the the working class or down with the immigrant class because they take pictures of immigrants and they, or they, you know, they glamorize, um, exotify immigrants and our struggles. That's not being inclusive. That's being exploitative, right? Um, to be inclusive would be to include someone who's not like you, doesn't have the same pretty much like isn't white, basically, um, into your art space and say this is your space um and I know essentially like that this group of people that I was with that I was um living with um uh I was seeking acceptance uh through their their platform that they've actually just set up for themselves for their white selves um to feel like they're not racist or they're not this or they're not that like to cover up their own abuses actually and their abusive ways of doing things and it is an abuse because um the reason why it's abusive is because it takes um things from people without their permission and it also excludes people and it it requires for people to conform to something that maybe they're not comfortable conforming to um and it's like almost like a decimation of the 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 individual, the other individual, the other. Um, and I've experienced it. Like my whole, the whole sections of my podcast talking about it are indications of that. What happened to me at university is an indication of that because it becomes abusive. They will be like, you're not conforming. You're not um, playing by the rules of like where we need to be the gatekeepers of your acceptance. So we're going to punish you for that for not submitting to the power that we have and that's how they want to feel powerful that's how they why they've set up their art collectives because they want to feel powerful it's really sad um if there's anyone like setting up an art collective don't go in with that sort of intention um i would say um it's 
it's a very toxic thing it's very much contributing to a lot of the problems that I've spoke, spoken about like sexism racism um classism misogyny um islamophobia all those things because it means that we me I think that oh there's I can't ever express myself until I actually create my own platform and over time that's happened but um <clears throat> it's really dangerous because some people can just give up and actually like I've seen a lot of people fall to pieces I've seen a lot of people from my uni who felt as immigrants not part of um, the space even though it was a school of oriental and african studies and they just had severe mental health problems like they just felt so totally um rejected because they'd see- sought that validation and they didn't know what to do afterwards but that's really sad that's so sad to be become that disillusioned by racism and exclusive spaces um that you just give up on your will to just um express yourself and to be yourself and it's it's a trauma actually um because it's a rejection of you as a human being um so um the need for validation is something that i'm just going to um what's the word put aside like um i luckily have like family like my brother who's like really great who um just accepts me for who i am um yeah like that's important because a lot of the time i think um especially as immigrants especially as an ethnic minority you've had that sort of conditioning that you're not going to be accepted you're you're different you you're not in a space that you belong actually to begin with so you're used to it so there's a lot to unlearning what you've been taught in childhood and your te- teenage years and things like that as an immigrant um that you don't belong to create a space and to have a space where you actually do belong by default because you're a human being and that's that um it's a very different way of doing things i'm really pushing to break a lot of the the traditional conservative um uh white supremacist um ways of doing things and they're probably not even aware of it because they're just very comfortable in how they're doing things until like a brown girl or someone that isn't like them comes along a muslim woman comes along um and you know says hey like i'm a bit different or like no i don't agree with that is it a threat yeah apparently it is so then you know what is uh, but my my intention is not to get people to change their ways of doing things my intention is to um actually like create a totally different model um of how we can actually have our own spaces and feel liberated within those spaces without seeking validation from anyone thank god like that's a big realization um I wanted to talk a lot about um a lot about <laughs> um a little bit actually about my brother because um yeah like I think uh but I think I'll leave it there because I'm really proud of him like I'm really um grateful that he's in my life even my sister um my two sisters like I spoke to my elder sister who um is 10 years older than me and um she lives quite far and I don't get to see her that often and I miss her a lot and um she suffers from OCD like severe OCD um which is really 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 crippling actually um and it's quite sad and I try to stay in touch with her as much as I can but um when I was talking to her about like 
the experiences that I had in the previous flat that I was living in, she was like so enlightened, like she was so um, spot on about so many things and it really breaks my heart that um, the that people like her, women like her are fine actually, it's just um, there is no, there's, we live in a very, very abusive, uh, environment, in a very abusive state, and, yeah, like, certain people, like, the white people that I lived with, really, really, really benefit from that, because it means that they can stay on top, and we have to stay, while other people stay at the bottom, they love it, they love it, that's why they had such a huge problem with me, um, but when I was telling them, this happened, this happened, la, 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 um, she, you know, my sister didn't even get her GCSEs, like, she was taken out of school, like, um, after my dad died, um, so, you know, she's not traditionally, conventionally, um, educated, she doesn't have her GCSEs, um, and she's a wonderful, wonderfully smart, um, person, and she can fully understand, like, I remember saying, um, yeah, this has been going on for so long that it's just normal, like, and, and she did also say that, um, for even for her and for a lot of people, like we just say that's just the way it is, you know. Like yeah, people are gonna um, judge me or treat me differently because of the my skin color or because of my ethnicity or because um, I am a Muslim, um, and that's the way it is. And I was like, yeah, like we have accepted it to a large extent. We have just accepted it as normal. Because um, yeah, she, of course she's she goes through discrimination. Of course she does. You know, but it's just normal. It's just normalized. Um, so it's not like we don't understand what's happening to us. It's just that we don't actually have any way of um, expressing it or challenging it or fighting it or anything like that. So I guess to a large extent, I'm fighting on behalf of a lot of people and I sacrificed a lot of my own, what I could be doing, like building a career. Or I could have let, yeah, I could have got my degree if I just thought, yeah, this is all about me and where I need to get to. So I'm going to forget about like how this might be impacting like people on a larger scale, um, how destructive this is on a larger scale like on an international scale um and most people don't think of it like that and that's fine but I do really think that um a lot of the time it shouldn't be looked down on and yeah just let me do my work like I think um appreciate it like I'm really trying my best to help our community and I think that um I get so shocked sometimes when Bangladeshis like comment on something that I published or whatever because they can be so rude like oh my god they're so rude and I'm like wow like where does this come from <laughs> and maybe sometimes it's just how they speak and you're just like whoa do I even engage with this like it's so rude it's so like cutthroat um yeah like wow and it's not always the case and it might depend on like a lot of things but trust me like even dealing with my own community is like really difficult as a woman and as a woman without a father like it's forget about like what I've spoken to you about these last podcasts about um you know racism on the outside and like like our internal problems and like the way we have of of resolving problems is sometimes just mind-blowing it's just like that's just another kettle of fish again, like, it's just another totally different battle, um, you know, just getting dialogue started, it's like, you, the way people talk to you is just, like, tremendously, it's almost scary, 
<laughs> but you kind of just have to be like, uh, yeah, what, are you meaning to sound that like that? Or is this just a tra- mistranslation? Is this a loss in communication, loss in translation? So yeah, even with my own community, like it's knowing how to speak and how not to speak and like how to be polite and respectful and stuff like that without causing tension. And obviously like we're already in a state of um, hypervigilance, um, in a perpetual state of hypervigilance anyway. And that's, I think that's why a lot of Bengalis speak to each other like that. Obviously there's a lot of care and there's a lot of love and stuff like that. But when it comes to political stuff, you're just like, oh my God, like how yeah and I don't know if it's just particular people who just decide to comment on certain things I don't know it's a journey like I said I'm really trying to figure out how to like get in touch with my own community um but yeah I kind of just ignore it when I don't know how to deal with it because I'm like okay um and you reply and then they're just like they they and you think you're being polite and telling them kind of like don't talk to me like that but then they just come back with more and you're just like oh my god um I don't know if anyone can relate to that from the Bangladeshi community but um yeah it's quite something um and it's not always the case like I um did have this sort of exchange with a Bangladeshi who sent me like a huge section of like paragraphs as a response to something that I'd I'd said about um the Bangladeshi community and they'd explain something like really beautifully and really politely and really like helping me understand some um basically the the economics and the politics of Bangladesh and so it diff it's it's really like um it can be very different again like you can it depends on the person so you know my journey into understanding my own community and where I come from is very fragile it's very um new it's very um I'm not used to it like especially when you don't have your dad you don't have your the main contact with the community your dad is that person who's that that contact um so yeah, I'm very much ostracized, I'm very much excommunicated, I'm very much on the outside, on the periphery of our community. I left home when I was 19 as a, as a Bangladeshi girl. That's not something that's done, it's not normal, it's not acceptable, it wasn't acceptable. To re, re, recapture my acceptance into, even within my family, took a lot of time and, and energy, so let alone to be received again into my community so I'm giving you a sort of insight again into I guess um Bangladeshi life um from a very unusual standpoint um and also trying to be really respectful of the fact that I don't know enough because I haven't been in the community for long enough um and not for my own you know because of my own fault but because look we're how far away from our homeland, how easy is it for us to go back and actually see our family, to be connected with our 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 land and our where our ancestors are from. Cause actually like um a lot of people I know don't want to give that up. We don't want to give up our identification as Bangladeshis. No, we are we are who we are, you know, and it would be genocidal to it would be an acceptance of genocide to um assimilate and that's why I take and I took what happened in that flat that I was living in very, 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 very seriously because of what it was attempting to do. 
and what it was attempting, those people were attempting to decimate my distinct um, identity and my ethnic identity and my background and my history, the history of my people, what the ringleader was trying to undermine was an act of genocide. Okay, it's part and parcel of that. It's like, if you're not going to accept how things are here and if you're not going to adapt, if you're not going to get rid of your, um, y- you know, your uh, way of doing things, which was, yeah, me as a Bangladeshi woman and with my cultural um, heritage and my cultural background and my religious upbringing and all of those things that came part and parcel of me being a, a Bangladeshi woman and part of my family being a Bangladeshi family and my community being a Bangladeshi community, it was a, a huge act of aggression on so many levels. And, you know, the like I said, like all the podcasts that I talk about before are, um, you know, explain that. And I think that's why it's going to take a little while for me to actually like mentally detach from that because it was just so horrific. Like, I can't even begin to describe like the first especially the first few days when I was upset like I've never called my family up um crying I've never done it and I said in the last podcast I called them saying hey can someone pick up their phone like um because I was so I was breaking down like I was like wow this person like this person I'm living with is is really out to get me and he's really dangerous and this wasn't something that I understood immediately, it was a lot of feelings, it was a lot of like feeling suffocated, it was a lot of like feeling like I'd been physically hurt, because my body was in pain, so it was like, there was a lot going on, um, so I called my, my siblings, and I, yeah, my brother was like, probably like, oh shit, like she's crying, like this has never happened before, um, you know, and he managed it, like he managed it, I could tell he was very uncomfortable at the beginning, I was, didn't know what to say, um and wanted to get off the phone (laughs) because yeah but he didn't he stayed on the phone and he calmed me down and um my sister called me at the same time like while I was on the phone to him so I said okay my sister's calling me and knowing that she'd be better at dealing with it than him I hung up and I spoke to her and yeah I was crying still and um telling her what had happened probably not cohesively at the beginning because I hadn't worked out what what had really gone down what had really been struck what had really been targeted about me um my very 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 core had been attacked and ah it was so horrible um and I cried and I she calmed me down and she spoke we spoke for like an hour an hour and a half and then I got off the phone to her and later on I spoke to a really close friend of mine like bless him like put up with me like shouting quite a lot because by that point I was angry and I was crying and I was like describing to him how, how I felt like I was in a prison um I felt like I was in a prison and I felt like I couldn't even leave the flat like this was a state that I was left in after that conversation because I knew like I said in the previous podcast like um the person that I was living with like you when you are attacked at work if you're on the street or whatever even by the police like you can go home this person, I knew what they'd done, and I also was a new th- knowing that I trusted them, and knowing that I'd cut them slack when they'd attacked me, attacked my heritage, attacked my uh, religion in the past. I'd cut them slack, thinking it, over time they'll see me as a human being. Um, now that you know, no, <laughs> if people are capable of that, they once they would do it again. Like it's like that saying when someone shows you their face, like believe them the first time. Um, 
yeah, he showed this true face and yeah, it was very, very, very scary. Um, and traumatizing actually. Um, because yeah, because of all the, the manipulation and the, yeah. Um, so it was very difficult for me to actually leave the, the flat. Um, and I'll go on to tell you like what actually did happen because I was really felt like trapped. I actually felt so trapped. I never felt like that in my life. Um, I felt that down after I left uni, like I couldn't leave, um, my room for a long time because, uh, yeah, I had a room in a basement and I just remember being in that basement for a while. <laughs> um, but this time I couldn't, yeah. And even the other flatmate who was to begin with trying to be sympathetic, but you realize that they're just information gathering and trying to force you to um, explain yourself so they can defend their, the ringleader. Uh, the flying monkey, the guy, um, offered to take me for a walk, and I, I remember saying to him, um, I looked at him, and I was just like, please don't hurt me, and I have never, ever, 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 ever said that to anyone, ever, I've never, ever said those words to anyone, but I was that broken, I was that scared and bear in mind we're in the middle of a pandemic bear in mind we've just moved to a new area which I don't even know I'm an hour away from my family like uh yeah and I had been kicked when I was down because I was like writing about this you know what happened to me in Italy um exposing that um that abuser so I was already like in a really fragile state and then that conversation happened uh the the racist article sent to me the entire gaslighting all of that stuff and going for a walk was like a breath of fresh air, but I could barely like walk. Um, my legs felt incredibly weak. Um, and the the ringleader, the, the, that flying monkey will be able to tell you outright. He'll be able to tell you that, that this is the truth. No one can fake that. You can't just be like in that state. Um, and I'm someone who, listen, I have two breakfasts in the morning usually. Like I'm the kind of person who, knows how to take care of myself I know I have a lot of energy I have ideas I'm constantly doing things I'm constantly in touch with people I'm constantly reading things listening to things um you know so many things that I love to do in my day so to for me to be in that state was so far out of character so far out of character for me to say to someone that I've only been living with for like a month and a half or something um two months um to be like so afraid and to say like stop walking and look at him and say please don't hurt me in the end he did like he de- totally dehumanized me and of course he's sending me these horrible um messages and speaking to me like you know yeah I'm done with you like yeah in the end he did like well done to him um I asked him for a very uh simple request and he couldn't uphold that because um yeah cult is part of a cult um you know, the ringleader, um, comes first, um, so I'm just giving you, again, like, processing, and I haven't even, like, the worst parts of that experience, I haven't even spoken about, like, I'm slowly beginning to talk about, um, like, telling you about this, this particular aspect of the walk that we went on, um, very, very difficult time, um, like I said, I wrote out, um, how I was feeling, um, that day, 
uh, literally the day after the, the text message argument. Um, it's all written there. And I think I've writ- wrote out over the course of like three days. It's like, this is how I feel. This is how my body feels. This is how, what part of my body hurts. Because um, I knew something had happened. I knew something big had happened. I knew that um, a huge, um, I'd been just totally like, especially um, the part of the racist article that this, this horrible racist uh, white supremacist sent me um, was, um, yeah, the whole thing is written disgustingly about Malcolm X, but um, where it says, I mean, it's a really horrible article um, where he says, um, where the author, the writer, the academic says, um, one cannot um, help but think um, that if Malcolm X had had a son, then he would have dedicated such little attention in his autobiography to his son as he did his six daughters. Like, what an assumption. Like, it just chills, like, it actually takes my breath away that someone can type those words about someone who's dead, <laughs> someone that they, they've never met, someone who was assassinated, um, someone who left behind a pregnant wife um, and children, and in the end, six um, fatherless daughters. To make that assumption, it just gives me chills. Like, that that level of hatred towards an individual can exist. And then for the person that I was living with to to uphold that and to promote that, to send it to me, someone whose father, yes, my father died, leaving behind six children, you know, I was one of his daughters, and for this person to know my history, and to send me that, was such a devastation, like, I was like, right, that's, that's what you think, that's how you think, and that's shocking, fine that some weird random like flipping academic over there like you know who clearly has issues like white feminists um thinks that I don't know that person I don't live with that person I've never met that person the person who's living with me that I've signed a contract with to live with and trusted and thought was a friend thinks this is a totally different thing and knowing where this is gonna go knowing how much danger you're in because they don't see you as human being and you're living with that person they can decimate you. And they have tried to. And so it was really, 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 really hard. Like, it was so difficult. Like, oh my goodness. Um, and I was, like, in the living room with my laptop. And the ring, like, the, one of the flying monkeys came in. And he was, like, um, he could see that I was, like, tap, like, you know, writing really, like, probably really angrily and, like, really upset and really just, like, I've never been like that before. Like I'm normally a very calm person. Like I said, I've never even raised my voice in that in that flat. Um, and uh, even after I slammed the door like twice, I did write to the ringleader's girlfriend who said, "Oh, you know, I grew up in a really." Um, uh, she said, "Oh, I grew up in a really unstable environment. So, like, please don't like, 
I don't know if she said please, but, um, you know, don't, like, slam the door, and I said, yeah, I'm really sorry, like, I won't do that again, and it's like, yeah, well, it's not like you're acknowledging the fact that I grew up in an unstable environment, and your boyfriend is destabilizing me, but anyways, you know, I'm not that kind of person to be so tit for tat, you know, like, I can apologize when I've done something wrong, and say I'm not going to do it anymore, because obviously it's not fair to slam the door, um, my bedroom door, which I did twice, um, anyway, so it's just a very, 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 very fundamentally different way of seeing the world. So when you come into contact with people like this, don't think that you can just like change how they their model of the world, because that's if that's how they can behave, they will continue to continue to behave like that um, until I call it out. And that's why I am doing these podcasts and for people to recognize that this kind of behavior is not acceptable. It's absolutely not acceptable. I don't care, like. Um, what anyone else thinks, to be honest, because me calling this out, like, when I'm going back into that space, especially the first week, the first day, especially after that argument, even the very first moments when I cut off the argument, I said, I'm tired, let's talk later, and realising that I really didn't want to talk about it later, I think I just said it to be polite, um, see, you actually, like, grant people, like, politeness, even though they're abusing you, like, it's mad, absolute madness, um, because you've been conditioned and you also you also know that you're you're a minority you have the minority mindset the minority mindset is really 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 tough um so i guess that's why the other two like revolve around him because they don't want to end up being a minority they don't want to join the minority because they'll be end, end up being treated like the minor by like the minority maybe um and i've noticed that a lot like why people ally with bullies is because they don't want to be bullied they don't want to get bullied um and that's like really cowardly like at the end of the day um yeah it's not how I would choose to conduct myself so again like I'm sort of framing this um all in a sort of yeah under the banner of um acceptance like seeking validation and acceptance because I realized that that's where um a lot of the problems came from to begin with um so I think it's important to talk about um our sense of acceptance, like, um, and then, like, for Muslims to, to actually think that, you know, this world is not everything, um, that's not what we believe, um, we believe in an afterlife, um, and that's part of our faith, um, and so that's, like, something very specific, I guess, to those, um, uh, who believe in that, um, and it can give you some comfort, because you'll be like, sure, like, this is just a journey, this is, like, um, this is a test, um, all of those things, so you do get comfort, I do get a lot of comfort from that, knowing that, um, this isn't everything, and, um, there's something bigger, um, and, you know, all of those things that, even if, you know, like, let's say if it's not true, ultimately, it allows you to actually, like, humble yourself and conduct yourself in a more human, humane way, so, you know, you don't have to adhere to, you don't have to believe in the same things that I believe in, you don't have to, it's just what the, the outcome of that is, is, is useful, and I think it's the, the best way for me to, to see things, because it allows me to, to be humble, like I said, um, um, and that's really important to me, um, so I'm trying to, again, like, say things and to, um, to be as relatable as possible, I guess, um, because I 
want for people to be able to relate to each other regardless of like where we've come from um, and our experiences and to be able to say yeah I can empathize with your situation even though I haven't lived through it myself I think that's really important um, and yeah I think um, I try to do that because I think I might have mentioned at the beginning of this um, podcast I don't know if it was in this one or the po- the draft that I did earlier but um, I was listening to a, I was watching a, a YouTube documentary about white clay, which is a, um, it's a documentary about um, a reservation in America uh, for the indigenous um, Americans, so the indigenous people, and how like the op- an opioid, um, uh, there's an opioid problem out there, like a problem of um, addiction and alcoholism, and how um, they've struggled through that so I'm not from America I'm not from an indigenous tribe there I'm not from in inverted commas their culture like I don't even like to see it like that like I just see that there are people who are suffering greatly um and have been oppressed and um almost totally annihilated um so you know like you know the struggles out there in that documentary you'll see like are just beyond um uh acceptable um it's it's awful um i think luckily uh, a lot has changed since the documentary was made but to know the history is really important because people's histories are really important um and all our histories are important to us so i think um just listening to that and in the face of what i'd suffered in the previous flat that i, I was living in where you know this ringleader seemed to think that their history was the only important history in existence. Watching a documentary about white clay sort of brings you back down to earth um, in terms of like oppression and, you know, perceptions of oppression and things like that and privilege. So it's really enlightening. And that's something that I really reach out for. I remember um, reading an article about um, white clay a few years ago and it came up in my mind and I was like oh let me watch that again because it's really important and um and then I looked for a documentary and I started watching the documentary it's a really really great documentary um because it, it's not like it doesn't cut any corners it's not um glamorized it's not like fetishizing um the community or anything like that it's really just telling their story um and allowing them to tell their story actually and following them with that following them around um <laughs> so we can sort of be be there with them in in some sense um and um yeah so that's that's i think great documentary uh writing or and um that's changed a lot I think in the last 10 years it's become a lot more like uh I'm the documentary maker and I'm gonna tell the story and la 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 and I'm gonna like make this all like delicious and you know palatable for the audience um I'm quite enjoying using the word delicious in this sense because it's like this image of um these white people who are really greedy and they want to you know you can just see them licking their lips before they actually um before they've even done anything while they're observing you you know they're like oh this one's going to be like an interesting uh one to attack or exploit you know you can kind of like really it gives you a very very um it's a very apt word let's say um and I don't tend to use it um for food so I feel like it's like totally separate because I'm such a big foodie so I'm like "Mm, that's amazing or whatever so I reserve that word for um these experiences let's say um (laughs) to take the piss out of these 
exploitative assholes um, who fetishize suffering, which is just pure pure sadism, basically, um, at the end of the day. And it might come out artistically in one way, but once that sadistic, those sadistic tendencies come directly in their pure form towards you, watch the hell out. Uh, watch the hell out because it did come out of that flying monkey the guy who pretended to be my friend and pretended and you know who I asked like please don't hurt me um in the end the the sadistic tendency comes out so you know like watch the hell out when these people um and a lot of them went to my uni like a lot of them love to exploit suffering um which is just beyond beyond my my comprehension to be honest like it really thoroughly shocks me that's why I had to not only get the hell out of the flat that I was living in but yeah I really had to get out of the environment that I was in at uni and if it's within the education system if it's within the art world um then it's pretty widespread um these sadistic tendencies but also um the need to cover it up without this I am notion of altruism and I'm helping you and I'm going to tell you this story to to um, finish this podcast off um, when I was a teenager I looked out of my bedroom window and I looked across and there was like um, a boy who lived in the council house that was behind our house and that family was like they constantly like causing trouble um, and um, yeah just bullies all of them um, maybe yeah one of the parents was like all right but um, generally they're just like thugs um, and they would yeah, they would throw, like, things into our garden and stuff like that, like, trash and, like, rubbish and whatnot, like, um, so it was, like, really difficult for my mum, because she felt, yeah, she was really uncomfortable with that, and she was really vulnerable, um, and she really felt, like, yeah, it was really horrible, um, because it was, a, it's, we have a very, very small outdoor space um, at the back of my mum's house and it's just tiny and um, my mum would like to go out there and like, you know, hang up her washing basically and things would get thrown at her over the wall. Um, yeah, so it was really hard. Um, so this boy, um, he must have been about, I don't remember how old he would have been because he was quite fat. So it's kind of like difficult to like... <laughs> uh it was quite beefy let's say and the other boy was quite small so it's like actually quite hard to understand like their ages because were they friends were they in the same year were they in the same like um I don't know how why were they even together like hanging out or whatever but um he'd he was with this little boy uh big boy and he pushed him over and then immediately the, the boy started crying and then he picked him up, he helped him up, and he was like, oh, you're right, you're right. And it's really this, like, hurting someone and then pretending to um, help them afterwards when you've caused the harm. That happens a lot. That happens a lot with abusers. Um, they will light the fire, they will gaslight you, they will attack you, they will attack your essential being um, repeatedly even within a short space of time, like during that WhatsApp conversation, they would dig and dig and dig and dig and dig and like stab you so many times, like twist all those knives, like one at a time, like they're playing um, foosball or something, you know, so enjoyable for them. Um, and then afterwards they'll be like, I was only trying to help you learn. I was only trying to like help you understand something, you know, that you didn't already know. Like, I'm, I'm no, I'm not, I didn't hurt you. And then they'll pretend to be help, like helping you. 
um, understand what that conversation was about, what that attack was about, what that gaslighting was really about. No, I was just trying to enlighten you. I was just trying to help you see things in the correct way. Wow, like so abusive, so abusive. Like I haven't seen it all. So I had such a violent reaction such a violent reaction like such a physical reaction like so tremendously physical that that how I felt after that discussion um so I haven't actually detailed everything yet because it's again it's the most um painful parts haven't actually been I haven't actually discussed them um I've written them down and um yeah like racism guys like honestly if these podcasts will do anything to dismantle that, I am down, like, abuse towards women, abuse by narcissists, abuse by flying monkeys, um, people who gaslight, people who are exploitative, colonizers, people who make excuses for genocide, people who downplay genocide, people who are, um, fake allies, false allies, um, people who are actually, like, misogynists, people who are Islamophobes, people who hate black men, who hate black women, who hate the idea of, um, uh, black-owned business, people who hate the idea of black feminism, the people who hate the idea of, like, Muslim women being feminists in their own right, um, you know, all of these things, these people, like the amalgamation of, um, pretty much, like, the, the person that I was living with, imagine, imagine, like, being in that situation, and being like, shit, I need to get the hell out of here, but how am I going to do that, and knowing you're in the middle of a pandemic, knowing that you've only been living here for, like, two months, like, knowing that you're away from your family, like, oh my goodness, like, knowing that everyone else is going through shit, you know, and you can't just rock up at someone's house because people have flat shares and, you know, there's COVID, (laughs) so prime, 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 prime time for an abuser, so I'm doing these podcasts because I really, really don't think that this should go um, unchecked, I really don't think that this should go um, unacknowledged or that even my experiences shouldn't be used in some way to help other people, of course it should be, like, I didn't go through this for nothing, like, Jesus, like, I wow, like, I suffered, um, and yeah, like, I really, damn, like, I really hope these people aren't listening to my podcast, because it's so weird, uh, it's so weird, because I feel like they, every time I say, like, I suffered, I feel like they just, it feeds the monster, like, I feel like they get such a good kick out of it, um, I feel like that's what, what they want, and that's what they, um, enjoy at the end of the day, because they're sadistic, um, it's really disturbing, like, people who are conditioned like that and brought up like that to get pleasure out of other people's pain are just like, wow, like, my god, please, um, let's, let's take the world in a different direction if that's what's becoming normalized, um, so I'm gonna leave it there, um, I've given you, like, a really, really tumbling, um, podcast into the depths of, of what happened in that, um, in that flat, probably, probably didn't expect it to go in that direction, but it was all a product of, like, seeking acceptance in a world that doesn't accept you for who you are, um, for no good reason, obviously, don't accept people for who they are if they're sexist, don't accept people for who they are if they're misogynist, if they're Islamophobes, but these people do actually, actually, I don't think that they do get much acceptance, I think that that's why they're so miserable, um, in other environments, they do, because, um, you know, some professions are really, really conducive to, um, psychopaths and narcissists, and we know that, so, um, it's, 
it's um, rewarded. It's uh, it is within our education system in terms of how we're taught to compete. Um, so it is like it is something that's pretty normalized. Actually, it's quite it's a huge problem. That's why I'm setting up schools. That's why I'm setting up like art projects. That's why I'm I'm firing in lots of different directions because um, it is a huge problem. It's as big as um, the fight. Let's say um it's a it's a it's a good reflection of it um and it's hard because it's not always easy to share your vision with people um because it's all from yeah a lot of like research and reading and experiences combined hey so <clears throat> i realized that um the last podcast went overran and I just wanted to round it up because I think it was quite important to sort of say that it's hard sometimes to share your vision with people, um, especially when you're doing something very new. And that's part of the massive roadblock that you will come across constantly because um, not everyone would comes from the same place that you've come from, but there will always be something that they can relate to. And the more you... Um, talk to people the more you talk to yourself the more you grow and you learn the more you actually like um feed into your projects like the more you actually produce um <clears throat> the more people will actually like be able to understand what you're trying to do so I'll give you a good example of that like um a friend of mine from uni who I haven't spoken to for a few years but um you know we were very close he's uh, a huge fan of Malcolm X he actually <laughs> um I remember, yeah, no, it's very, very kind, very nice person, uh, very respectful, um, and he, uh, I think once I'd shown that I was gonna, what kind of videos I wanted to put on my Women in Art project, he messaged me, and he said, oh, um, you know, I can see what you're, what you're trying to do now, and, um, you know, it seems like you're onto something, and, you know, like, best of luck with it, and if you need to talk anytime, like, just let me know, la la la, so it kind of does make a huge difference when you put your money where your mouth is, in a sense, or you put words into action, and you actually produce something, it makes a huge difference, so yeah, I know that my, um podcasts are very heavy like I'm sorry because I've been through a lot like not just in the previous flat that I've been in it's just in general like life has been really um it's taught me a lot of different lessons and I'm trying my best to um put it all into things that are useful for society and that help people so it's not always going to make full sense that the, the entire picture is not going to be there um I kind of have it in front of me but it's not it's all in my head so it's just a matter of like producing things and being brave enough to take those steps and to um, create things and to have a website and all of those kinds of things. And I remember um, I came across this when I really, really distinctly when I was um, in Devon last year um, uh, and I was with some friends and I wanted to build a fire and I was convinced like I was totally hellbent on wanting to build a fire it had been raining it was quite damp um but I didn't really see that as a problem um because I was like well it's not raining now so <laughs> we can build a fire so I think there were like 10 12 of us and I decided to work out like where the best place would be for the fire and I consulted a few people we worked it out like it took maybe a, like a while to work out which part 
where we should build a fire like in it's not easy to find take the first step and say this is where we're going to build it but there had already been a pit there was already a pit for a fire so i was like okay rather than building a new pit let's use this one even though it's exposed it's not under a tree it's, it's it doesn't provide any shelter if it does start drizzling but we'll just have to take our chances and and that's the best bet so you can see from the beginning it was very 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 the situation was very fragile like it was like this how are you going to do this um and a good few people were like, well, I don't see how you're going to do this, Rabia. Like, I don't really see what your vision is. Like, how, why, why are you telling us to get rocks? Why are you telling us to do this? Why are you telling us? Like, yeah, because we need that to build it, you know, like step by step. We need, uh, we need the rocks at the bottom. We need some sort of like space to create like ventilation because obviously like air, fire needs air and we need um to make sure that it's rocks and they they'll they will dry the fire will actually dry them up so that will create the foundation that will dry up the earth a little bit underneath it so it'll, it'll be okay um so technically like i was working and some of the people that i was with are actually engineers um <laughs> so i was like why are you asking me why how, how i'm supposed to build this you're the engineer but anyway in the end um I built a fire um and I really wanted everyone to be involved in it like I really wanted everyone to do something to help build a fire um and in the end we had a huge fire until like pretty much the sun was coming up and that's when it started to drizzle a little bit so I know that often with my projects and with a lot of things that I'm doing I'm very very ambitious um not because um uh, in an egotistical way but I just feel like a lot of work that needs to be done I feel like these issues that we're dealing with are not small issues so it's important to be ambitious it's important to think big um, and not to limit yourself basically like why not why not have a school um, why not have your own institution why not have your own uh, establishments like why not um, and so it's like yeah I dream big um and with the fire, like, yeah, we, we had a beautiful fire at the end. And I remember I was really frustrated so many, so many of the time, so much of the time because, um, because of that question, like, I don't see what, how you're going to do that. Like, I don't see it at the end. And I was like, <gasps> you know, it's hard because, um, even some of the people close to me say that. And I'm like, how can you not see, like, after everything that I've told you about my life, like where this is going? But, um, I guess, yeah, like, not everyone can, like, step into your head and, like, actually see things through your eyes, that's why I do these podcasts, because I think it's really important to share as much as I can about, like, what I'm thinking and stuff like that, and, um, actually get it off my shoulders a little bit as well, um, to articulate it is really important, um, but, yeah, I think I, the best way I can describe it is that my path is not forged, it's not, it's, it's, every step that I take in front of me is not a a step that's been preset it's a step that I'm actually having to in the dark um fumble around and find the the pieces for and you know if it need if it requires soil um if it requires um uh concrete if it requires whatever it needs whatever that step in front of me needs I need to find those things with my hands in the dark and I need to put that down in front of me make sure that it's solid make sure that it's um I can step on it make sure that it's safe make sure that you know, I can take that next step. That's the process. So I understand why it's not always easy for everyone to see the vision. Um, it's 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 an interesting thing. Um, I'm trying to be patient as well because, um, 
it's a real dialogue between myself and um and the world and the people that I are around me and the people that I care about and the people that I'm trying to help so it's a real dialogue and I'm trying to explain it as best as I can that yeah there's a step in front of me that I've I've created and I've built but I don't even know what the step is after that so <laughs> I can see in the distance there is this beauty and there is this um school or there's this life that I can have but in terms of how I get there is very much like it's not like I apply for funding and I can get the money and I can like do whatever I want no like where does that money come from do I agree with that if I have to raise my own funds how will I do that how will I work so I can actually provide the funds for my own projects because I don't want to take money from people because I don't want to have to owe people it's all of these things it's not the normal uh way that people do things it's not because I don't agree with a lot of the way the economic system works in this country or in the world so I try to avoid it and create my own my own little economy um to be perfectly honest with you and there are a few other people that I know who are doing that as well um in a very 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 smart way um and they adapt not according to the economics the, the market forces they adapt according to their principles and that's what I do. Um, or I don't adapt according to like what funding there is out there or what they what categories they want or whatever, whatever. No, I adapt according to my principles and I keep my principles in check and I keep them solid. So that my brother does that as well. Um, I don't know, like God bless my parents, like how what they did for us because they weren't really there, but they were there, like I guess in some some weird way, like um yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, very, very strange, um, it's very strange that we're, we're like this, um, because, yeah, like I said in the previous podcast, I didn't see my, my brother for 10 years, so it's kind of funny how we're, we're very, very similar, um, in a lot of ways, um, I guess struggle, struggle does something to you that is just really, really hard to put into words, like, yeah, for sure so yeah that's just the um the end part of what would have been the the end of the the last podcast um I did end up trailing off um I don't remember what I said but um acceptance you don't you know if you're different you're different like that's wonderful um don't try and fit into environments that are just not fit for you that are actually like probably the box is, is too small and you can't fit in there actually you're too big you're too grand you're too smart actually don't be afraid of that idea either um that you can outsmart someone that you're it's not the right environment for you because you're you're better than that in some ways yes it's fine to think that because a lot of spaces are discriminating against you so you can't (laughs) you know you can't expect yourself to fit into that space um that's fine um don't feel beat up about that don't don't feel if you do don't feel like that for too long just know that there's another way um there's always space that you can create, um, uh, there's always that possibility, so, yeah, I feel really, um, positive, um, and again, these podcasts are really helping me, like, uh, articulate myself, and, um, understand what I've been through, and why it's not okay, and why it's absolute brutality, um, why my feelings, and my, 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 my my reactions in terms of like how my body felt like damn like wow like my body felt 
I didn't even want to describe it because it was actually like it's hard to I wrote it down but I don't actually find feel comfortable like explaining like fully what that experience was like um only a few people only certain people I think would understand um what I'm talking about um when I talk about brutality um the brutality of that situation that that um conversation with the ringleader the white supremacist ringleader don't get into a conversation with a white supremacist um unless you have like you know you're doing a documentary or something or fucking hell like jesus like it's it's so dangerous it's so dangerous oh my god like especially when they're covert um, and I guess you wouldn't know until you've you've been there. And yes, the belly of the whale, as they say. Um, I hope I'm finding my way out. Um, I feel like I am. So I'm going to leave it there. And I hope you found this segment interesting um, in itself. And um, stay strong. Um, don't let the haters keep you down or even put you down at all. Um, and yeah, have a great day. And I'll speak to you soon. Bye.